Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know, folks, obviously we're in a real crisis right now. There's so much going on. But last night I saw a story that, is there a backstory to this George Floyd uh, and the cop's name is Derek Chauvin? Is there a backstory there? I've got that. Don't miss that. Fascinating story I read last night. There's obviously a lot of layered things going on right now. I got that. Also, I warned you about a false false narrative, fake news alert I put out, what, two or three weeks ago that is now coming to fruition now. These media types are so predictable, folks. Got that a whole lot more, including uh, Trump and the ever-growing war on the tech tyrants at Twitter. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Fine, sir. It's Friday, so you know you we're know, doing We need great. a little bit of yeah. your game show voice. <laughs> it's Friday, given everything going on. I yes, forgot sir. about that. It, oh, yeah. it is Friday. And Joe, that is his, uh, his greed. By the way, we got to get Joe on Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R, yeah. the alternative to Twitter. You got it this weekend. Now I'm yeah. putting it out gotcha. there for the audience. And try to get your same... Uh, your same handle okay, there, yeah. right? So we'd appreciate that. All right, folks, let me get right to it. I got a loaded show for you today, including this, like I said, potentially fascinating backstory here. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep makes personalized mattresses made right here in America, shipped straight to your door with free no-contact delivery, free returns, and a 100-night sleep trial. To choose a mattress, Helix made a quiz. Takes just two minutes to complete, matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Not some generic mattress made for someone else. If you like a mattress that's really soft or firm, you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, or you sleep really hot, with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched to a Helix, Mid- a Helix Midnight Lux mattress because I wanted something that felt uh, that, that felt nice, and I sleep on my side. I feel I'm always hot when I sleep, always. It drives Paula crazy. I love Helix, but you don't need to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ Wired Magazine and Apartment Therapy. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Dan. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners. Go to Helix, H-E-L-I-X, helixsleep.com slash Dan. Get up to $200 off your mattress order today. My friend came over not that long ago, slept on uh, my daughter's mattress. She left it. She said, thought it was the most comfortable mattress ever. True story. Shout out to my friend Brian there. All right, Joe, let's go. All right. Here you on this quick on a switch yeah there you go a couple extra rings there you all right uh, your twitch go a little excited twitch. on this part we gotta calm joe down twitch so folks obviously with everything going on right now we are in and just an incredible uh i mean meeting of crises at the same time we've got the wuhan virus got the economic crisis we've got the situation in minneapolis with the riots on top of the uh, the death of george floyd before a lot of stuff going on right now we're america we're ha- we'll handle it i don't want to do the you know the whole drudge report thing where it's it's constant horror all the time but i read this last night and i couldn't believe it 
Um, the story between, is there a backstory between these two? George Floyd, who I've spoken out with on, on now repeatedly. George Floyd is the individual who with a knee on the neck was killed uh, by a police officer. The name is Derek Chauvin, I believe is his name. Spoke out about that. I believe it was obviously an abuse of the use of force guidelines. The man, there was no reason this man should have died. George Floyd, no reason at all. And people have been speculating. This is why it bothers me about speculating about motivation. I was on last night with Geraldo. He injected race into it, which obviously it was a white police officer and a black male. There are going to be people who want to immediately speculate that the motive was racism. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to talk about it as a humanity issue. The man should not have died, period. If it turns out later we find out this police officer was a was a racist and he th then obviously that's a storyline we'll address on the show. But this is a humanity issue, a humankind issue. Now, I say that because is there another part of this story we were unaware of? A local station out there, KTSB, has this story up, I found, that these two individuals may may know each other. George Floyd uh, and the fired police officer overlapped security shifts at a South Minneapolis club. Again, as I said to you yesterday, and I'll say again, with regards to the specific use of force incident, inappropriate, potentially criminal, and the family of George Floyd does deserve proper justice here. No question about that. I've covered it now for two days. Having said that, I did say to you, we are going to have to get at some point the full story, especially if this turns into a criminal trial. Fascinating that these two may know each other. Apparently, the police officer, according to this news outlet, and Mr. Floyd worked overlapping shifts at a club in there in Minneapolis. So, again, regarding the use of force, force incident, I think we have a pretty good case here that this was obviously an abusive use of force. But for the whole story, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out later. And I'll stay on top of that because that's not an angle that's, that they have some history together. Again, not that it uh, in any way absolves anyone of that use of force incident responsibility, but it is, it, you know, it's going to be fascinating to hear the full story here about what really happened. Did they know each other? Interesting. We'll follow that, uh, the KTSB again. Having said that, last night, riots broke out in Minneapolis. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't get this. I, I can't figure this out. What do you think you're, do you think you're helping the situation? Do you think this is somehow justice for Mr. Floyd's family that deserves this? Do you think this is helping? I don't understand. I'm missing how stealing a flat screen or emptying out a target, burning down facilities, locations, retail outlets in your own neighborhood in any way assists in getting justice for the man's family and some resolution to this unquestionable tragedy. I'm unsure of that. The answer, of course, is obvious. It doesn't help. You are part of the problem. Having said that, you know, I did Geraldo's radio show this morning. Sometimes I do his radio show after we debate on Hannity. And I was commenting to Geraldo how, you know, it's incredible to me, really incredible and sometimes hard to believe, how conservatives, who are, the overwhelming majority of conservatives I, I, I uh, meet, talk to, correspond with via email on a Twitter are good, solid, principled people, and their principles don't waver. It doesn't matter if President Trump's running up a lot of debt or President Obama. They're still talking about debt being a problem. Other things as well. Justice, whether you're black or white or Asian, whatever it may be, justice and, and big our God-given rights, they don't leave. The Constitution was not a suggestion, and it doesn't care what race you are, what religion you are. Having said that, 
Most conservatives agree. I've seen very few outliers here. That this incident was clearly an abuse of force and the family of George Floyd deserves justice. I have not seen any conservatives with a blue check mark or prominent media folks disagree on that. Yet when it comes to the riots, which are abhorrent, grotesque, and should be called out, the media right now and the left-wing media is doing everything they can to make sure the riots are somehow downplayed and made to be protest, some of which just got out of hand. Some are protests. You have the right to assemble, big R, God-given right. I believe in the Constitution, and I believe you should have the right to protest. And if you're angry about this, I'm angry too. That does not give anybody the right to go out and burn a target down or destroy an auto zone. Listen to this ridiculous, absurd, outrageously dumb clip. You may be dumber after hearing this. Of MS and MSNBC host on the air as a building is burning behind him. This is not a joke. If you want to watch the clip, youtube.com slash Bongino. That's the video version of our show. But you can hear it. There's a building burning in the background. I'm not kidding. And listen to how he characterizes and tries to downplay it as, oh, it's only mostly a protest. Check this out. I, I, I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not uh, It is not generally speaking unruly, but fires have been started and, and there's a crowd that... I mean, is this a joke? Again. The... Joe, bear with me here for a minute. Oh, yeah. Be- okay. Because I need, I need a second to think this through on the air with my own. I'm not kidding. Yeah. I, I, I do all my show prep. I've got a lot of notes here today. I, I, I'm doing this intentionally. I want to think this through with you on the air. Because I'm sincerely from the bottom of my heart bothered by how... In- I'm not saying... This guy, MSNBC host, MSNBC host, I don't think he's a stupid guy. I don't. I think it it would be helpful if he was, because then you just attribute it to ignorance and just stupidity. Mostly, there's a building burning behind him. I'm wondering how reasonably intelligent people with different political views, how we can't come to some, if we're two separate circles, how we can't come to some overlapping space where we can agree on some basic truths. Do you see where I'm going with this, Joe? Yes, I do. Some basic truths here. Number one, What happened to George Floyd was abhorrent. He did not deserve to die for allegedly passing a counterfeit bill. Number two, George Floyd's family should get justice. Number three, the Constitution absolutely protects your big R, God-given right to assemble publicly, petition the government, and protest. And number four, that right does not include beating people up, burning down businesses, or destroying your neighborhood. Why? I don't understand why this is complicated. I'm not messing with you. Like, I'm really thinking this thing. Why can't the left and left-wing media like MSNBC, like we do on Fox when we called out what we thought with Mr. Floyd was an abhorrent situation? Nobody on Fox equivocated about it. When the video came out and we got a relatively decent picture, we don't have every fact yet, but we had enough facts to form an informed opinion. I waited. I waited 48 hours. Most of the people I know on Fox and the people on this show, Joe, me, Paula, Drew, agreed, that's pretty abhorrent. This family deserves justice. Why can't the left-wing media do the same thing and just say, hey, folks, this is not clearly a protest anymore. There's people around watching a building burn down. No one's making any attempt to put it out. I, I, 
I, I, I bring this up, ladies and gentlemen, on the air, on my show, because I'm genuinely not sure how we move forward as a coherent country, albeit with political differences, if there's nothing we can agree on anymore. There were protests that were legitimate. Unfortunately, a small portion of those protests turned into riots, and they should be called out by everyone, not massaged to make it sound good. This is mostly a protest. That, that, it's almost a joke. It almost reminds me of like that gift they have from the Naked Gun movie when Leslie Nielsen's like, everything's okay here and the building's burning behind him. That's a, it's a gift. It's meant to be a joke. This is embarrassing. I want to just play some video in the background as well. The aftermath of this unspeakable tragedy the next day. This is from a local reporter, uh, this video he took the next day here. I mean... Again, for those of you watching on our YouTube, youtube.com, the video, this looks like, Joe, wouldn't you agree? This looks like something out of Mad Max. Yeah, yeah it looks like a Like the Road world. Warrior yeah. movies. Uh, right? Yeah. If this looks like out of a Syrian war zone. This is disgusting. Yeah. The people of Minneapolis deserve better than this. And this is Max, uh, Max Nesternak via Twitter. I had to tip him for the video. He's a local reporter. People live there. Ladies and gentlemen, ask people in Detroit and major cities ravaged by Watts, big riots in the past. These cities take decades to recover. This is not fair. And I'll leave it with this because I've got a lot to get through today, but it's important. Folks, what are we talking about today on this show? I can tell you what we're not talking about. We're not talking about the video with George Floyd and justice. We just mentioned it tangentially after two days of coverage. Why? Because the people who decided to riot took the attention off a family that deserves justice and some form of peace in the coming weeks or months through justice. And that's become now 20% of the story, while 80% of the story are maniacs tearing up and burning down Minneapolis. You've done nothing to solve this problem. You, in fact, are the problem. Unbelievable. And I'm really stunned we can't come to some agreement on this. And by the way, to the mayor of Minneapolis, this whole let people blow off some steam approach, that's not the way any of this works. Oh, David Dinkins tried that in New York. Man. Remember, Joe, Baltimore? Oh, yeah. Stephanie Rawlings break? Yep. Remember during Freddie Gray? Destroy. Yep. Mm -hmm. You got to give them space to destroy. Yeah. No, you don't. You give them space to protest and assemble. And many people will take you up on that. You don't give anybody space to destroy. Outrageous. All right, moving on. This is another important story. I warned you weeks ago. I, Gosh, I, I don't like to do because I don't like to appear like we're getting into these self-congratulatory, unnecessary moments. But I just never want you to think you're wasting your time and the time you've invested in our show here. We put a lot of work into it. We have great sources. And I warned you a couple of weeks ago about an impending narrative. The media is all about narratives. I can't say this enough. The left-wing media is about telling you a story, not the story. They're about inventing a story meant to massage facts, not giving you the facts. And I had warned you in the Mike Flynn scandal, the targeting scandal, that it was going to come out that Mike Flynn did not lie to the FBI. But he pled to, guilty to lying to the FBI, as he said in his plea, because they were threatening to lock up his son 
with the endless, but they had already bankrupted him. He had to sell his house. People plead guilty to things all the time. And as I've mentioned repeatedly on my show, I find it interesting that when it becomes a liberal cause celeb, like the Central Park Five case, they pled guilty too. Liberals are like, no, no, no. They pled guilty, but they were they were manhandled by the police into it. That's fine. You're free to believe that. But yet when it comes to Flynn, where the evidence is overwhelming that he's innocent of this charge, that's your only retort. No, no, he pled guilty. Case is closed. But it's not closed when it comes to the cases they enjoy. Justice doesn't matter for Flynn. It matters for others. In my case, it matters for everyone. The Flynn case horrifies me because I know if I have ever in my life been sure of anything I have told you on this show, Joe, you can vouch for me. We have never wavered from this for three years. Even when Mike Flynn was being thrown under the bus, you know it. You've been with me from the beginning. Yeah. We have never wavered one bit no. on the assertion that I believe Mike Flynn is innocent, that he did not lie to the FBI. Not one day. Partially due to sources, partially due to research, partially due to some gut instinct I had in this case from day one that Mike Flynn was a target of the Obama administration. Now, with that background, I told you that when you look at the FBI's own paperwork or their interview with Mike Flynn on January 24th of 2017, where they allege in their interview at the White House with General Flynn that he lied to them about discussing, discussing sanctions with the Russians on that call, that what's fascinating is in the FBI's own paperwork they wrote up about the interview, there's no mention of sanctions. A very simple question, folks. How can you lie to the FBI about sanctions on Russia if the FBI's own notes don't even mention them asking you about sanctions on Russia? I'm, I'm just asking. Just asking a simple question. Mike Flynn lied about sanctions. Did you ask Mike Flynn about sanctions? Not according to our paperwork. Hmm? Joe, kind of Joe Ormacost lied about robbing a bank. <laughs> Did you ask Joe about robbing a bank? Never. <laughs> Folks, the evidence is everywhere that Mike Flynn got entirely railroaded. Why are you not interested in justice for this man? Now, what would make this, get ready, what would make this case geometrically worse? So now we know the FBI didn't think Flynn lied when they spoke to him because they said it and they told Jim Comey. We don't think he was being deceptive. Second, we know they said he lied about sanctions and the conversation about sanctions with the Russians, but they didn't write anything about asking him about sanctions. How can you lie about something you weren't asked about? But what if I told you in that December 29th phone call that there may be that December 29th phone call between Mike Flynn and the Russian ambassador that became the subject of the interview. What if I told you there's a possibility, I want to emphasize a possibility, that in the transcript of that phone call, they're not talking about sanctions either, that they're talking about the expulsions of the Russian diplomats. The gavel drops. How, I mean, how totally, completely, entirely devastating to your case, you were going to put a three-star general in jail for lying, air quotes, about sanctions you never asked him about? On a phone call, you claimed he talked about sanctions and the transcript of the phone call may not even show him talking about the sanctions you said he lied about? Joe, yeah. 
Put the audience referee out. This is important. Oh. You please tell me you're picking up what no, I'm putting down I'm right picking now. Picking it up, baby. I mean, what did I warn you about? Mm-hmm. Now you're like, okay, you've told. I said a few weeks ago, the transcripts are now declassified by the outgoing director of national intelligence, Rick Grinnell. He declassified the transcript of the call where the FBI alleged Mike Flynn talked about sanctions with the Russians. We haven't seen it yet, but it's been declassified. And ladies and gentlemen, it is about to come out. I'm just telling you when it comes out, if it doesn't have very specific conversations between Mike Flynn and the Russians about the sanctions, not the expulsions of the Russian diplomats. That's a separate issue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The sanctions on Russian officials. If that's not even in the call, they are in a world of trouble. But, 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 but. You mean like, Dan, we really got them. We never have them. (laughs) But Dan, that sounds really hard. What do you mean we never have the left? We don't because the left doesn't do the truth. It doesn't matter. We have the truth is what we have. Leftists don't care. Not talking about all Democrats. The hard left are lying police state Stalinist frauds. They don't care. There's nothing you can tell them. They won't go to their media pravda propagandist gaslighters and tell a story, not the story. What would the story be if we see the transcripts in the coming days and there's no conversation about sanctions? This would be a nuclear bomb in this case. Mike Flynn was prosecuted by the Mueller team for discussing sanctions on a full phone call. The transcript of the call shows no evidence of that at all. Dude, how could he lie about it? you prosecuted for lying about a conversation and he was right? What's the narrative coming? I warned you. Check out this tweet by Jeff Bennett. This is it. This is this, this, check this guy out. This guy right here. Here we go. Someone's feeding this guy something. Jeff Bennett, media guy. The Michael Flynn Ambassador Kislyak calls Grinnell is declassified are written summaries of the calls, oh. not audio tapes. The summaries are not full transcripts, Joe, leaving the reader unable to know what's been left out. Former Trump administration officials tell NBC News. <laughs> I told you this was going to happen. Did I not call this a couple of weeks ago where I said, we're going to get the transcript and they're going to do exactly what they did during the Trump impeachment hoax. Remember that one, Joe? Yeah. Where they said, Trump got on the phone with the Ukrainian president. It was a quid pro quo. Trump releases the transcript, which I have in my desk. There's no evidence of that in the transcript at all. Again, liberals getting liberals, truth, getting wrecked. The truth wrecks them again. And their media hacks just make up a new narrative. No, no, that's not a full transcript of Trump's call. To which, what did I do on the show? I then showed you the whistleblower complaint, which says this is a true, this is an accurate transcript of the call. You, it doesn't matter. You may say, well, why are we doing this? We're doing this because we live lives of truth and there are persuadable people out there. There are, don't give up. There's probably 20% of the electorate that hasn't made a choice in this election and still believes liberalism may have some scintilla of honesty and dignity to it. It doesn't. It is our job as ambassadors of the truth to put out there the real story. Ladies and gentlemen, how do I know this tweet by Jeff Bennett about, well, ladies and gentlemen, this may not be the full transcript. The conversation about sanctions may be missing because Rick Grinnell has actually seen it and tweeted out yesterday. This isn't true. What what Bennett tweeted out there. It is a full transcript. But it doesn't matter to the left. We live in a post-truth world. I'm preparing you now 
Get ready. It, there doesn't, these people are not interested in the truth. They are interested in a story only. They are full blown liberal activists, propagandists, gaslighting specialists. No different than Soviet Union era Pravda. None. They know full well that the transcript is coming. Doesn't tell the story the media has been telling us. Mike Flynn lied about his conversation with the Russians. They know full well. And they're already softening you up. And they're dopey, Borg-like liberal followers who think with a hive mind to say, with their talking points, well, well, there's other things missing. There may have been a conversation about sanctions. They don't care at all that Mike Flynn, a three-star general, could have went to jail for a crime. He obviously, at this point, did not commit. They don't care one bit. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. All right, moving on. Let me get to my second sponsor today. The delicious, delicious Omaha Steaks. Uh, Drew, who does the video post-production on the show, good guy. He's on Parlor. He is uh, at Drew Steel Radio. Go follow him today, too. He said, can you get through this ad just once without your um, mouth obviously watering <laughs> during the clip? He said, I got to tell you. He did. I'm not messing it. with you, Joe. I saw I, And I said, no, I can't because the Omaha steaks, if I eat them and I know what they taste like and it makes me think of delicious food. Hey, Father's Day is coming up. Give dad the gift he really wants this year. Perfectly aged, tender steaks. Omaha Steaks will deliver the world's best steaks and a huge variety of other favorites directly to your dad's door. Right. There you go. <laughs> right now, Omaha Steaks is offering out. You hear that? Yes, I can't stop I because it's, it's, the food's delicious. I'm not messing Sorry, with you. It's not a joke. It's not like Pavlovian. <sighs> or it is Pavlovian in some respect. Omaha Steaks offering our listeners access to a variety of amazing packages. Perfect uh, to send dad for Father's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com. Enter the code Bongino into the search bar. And you'll see all of the great options available. Many that include free shipping and a free one pound package. This one always gets me. Oh, they're perfectly cured, incredibly thick. Applewood smoked steak cut bacon. If you've tried this, you're going to go nuclear. It's incredible. There are many packages available, perfect for dad, and they're all ready to be shipped straight to your door in times for Father's Day. Omaha Steaks has a variety of Father's Day packages that include their world-famous Omaha Steaks, naturally aged at least 21 days to tenderness. You see them on the screen right there. Paula uh, grilled those babies up for us. Burgers, franks, sausages, and other delicious favorites, perfect for grilling. Premium poultry and pork, tasty and easy to make side dishes, no work, one-step family meals, artisan desserts, and much, much more. Omaha Steaks delivers guaranteed quality and safety with every order. Send your dad a gift of food he'll love this year. Visit omahasteaks.com. Be sure to type my last name, Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, in the search bar to get those Father's Day deals. Shop today. Check them out. Omahasteaks.com, Bongino in the search bar. <laughs> All right, I can, my mouth can stop watering. Yeah, right. It is, I'm, and I'm hungry too because I got up early this morning for Fox and Friends first, which was on at five fifty Eastern time. So I had to get up right around five. So I've been up for like six, seven hours right now doing the show. I'm starving, and I ate super early. That's why. That's the worst read for when you're hungry. <laughs> All right, here's a, uh, Joe's familiar with the area, Montgomery County, Maryland. Yes, what do they call it, Maryland, Joe? Occupied Montgomery County? <laughs> it's been called that, yes. <laughs> right, right? Now, Joe's in Maryland now. I used to live in Maryland. And by the way, Maryland's a wonderful, beautiful state. And for those of you who don't know Maryland, it's a very blue state. Mm. But the irony of Maryland, as Joe can attest to, is it's really not a blue state. It's really three blue counties. Yep. And the rest of the state is red. The Eastern Shore, the mountains, that's the great irony of Maryland is it's not a blue state. It's kind of like New York City. It's a red state with a big city in it. 
Mm-hmm. So Maryland, I, I love Maryland and my heart will always be there. I really enjoy the place. But Montgomery County has always been just a bastion of liberalism that is really wrecking the state. Uh, a lot of the liberals who move out of the cities move into the Montgomery County. And it's it's sad. They're destroying this this wonderful, beautiful place, Montgomery County, incredibly high property values, great schools, and it's being wrecked by liberals who are running it. I'm not sure there's a Republican elected anywhere in Montgomery County, Maryland. But I told you a few days ago and last week as well that these lockdowns, these economic lockdowns, which are now unequivocally a disaster. I get it in the beginning. There was some uncertainty over the virus, how contagious it was, how lethal it was. We now know these lockdowns are a disaster. There is no scientific, data-based, fact-based reason to continue to bankrupt your citizens and your businesses in your county, your state, or your city. You are only doing this for some reason outside of science or data. Why? I'm not going to get in your head and attribute motivations, but whatever reason, it's pretty sick because you are destroying, destroying your state, cities, and localities wrecking them and destroying them. And I find it personally offensive because I know a lot of the people suffering here. Now, this is liberal Montgomery County, Maryland. I mean, about Joe, I'm not messing with oh, you, right? Daddy-o. The most One of the most liberal places in the country. Absolutely. This is the hapless county executive, Mark Ehrlich or Ehrlich or whatever. Now, don't confuse him with the former Republican governor, Bob Ehrlich. This is Mark Ehrlich. I'm probably saying his name wrong. Don't even care. It is right in the heart of the liberal area of Montgomery County. He's going to, he's giving a presser about how he's going to open the county basically when he feels like it on his own, despite no scientific evidence for these lockdowns. Listen, this goes on for maybe, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 seconds or so. He gets heckled to death in his own liberal county. This is embarrassing. If you watch the video, it's even better. Again, youtube.com slash Bongino. But listen to this. This is great. Check this out. We need to remember that the only reason this county did not have the steep curve that other jurisdictions had is that the steps taken by the governor and by the counties bent the curve. Okay, fine. Only, only the actions that were taken flattened the curve. And if it hadn't been for the governor, okay. So, I've already told you it's opening. I. Churches can do outdoor services. I just said that. Because it, there's a limit in hair salon. Ladies and gentlemen, watching this moron or early getting heckled into the phantom zone in the middle of the liberal part of a liberal county in a blue state is one of the most rewarding experiences I've had all day. <laughs> Everybody was peaceful, yep. which is obviously always primary. But you have the right to petition and assemble and talk right back to your government officials. These are not golden calves. We don't genuflect. We don't worship. The, they're not high priests and priestesses of government. These people work for us. It's not a campaign slogan. It's a fact. Our tax dollars pay them. Our votes put them in office. I can only hope that the liberals in Montgomery County who have voted awful people into office that are destroying that wonderful county through sanctuary county policies and all kinds of things finally start to wake up that this is what liberals do. They're totalitarians. And this guy appears to be enjoying this shutdown at this point. Heckled by his own constituents in a liberal county. Heckled into the phantom zone. Can't even finish his presser. 
Collective action matters, folks. Peaceful collective action matters. It makes a difference. Collectivism is a leftist phenomenon. Collective action is not. We are doing the right thing. And these lockdowns are ending because we say they're ending. Keep the pressure on. Don't let this guy get out one word in a press conference until he opens up your county. Peaceful, collective action. That's the path to real change. Not what's happening in Minneapolis right now. Hey, one more note on the coronavirus. We've been light on that this week due to all of the other stuff going on. It's just been, this is drinking from a fire hose this week, really. The news has been overwhelming. I'm having a tough time even getting in all the stories. There's an interesting story with Conservative Review. It's in yesterday's show notes. If you want to subscribe to my show notes, uh, the newsletter are the show notes, the same thing. I use them interchangeably. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Just click the subscribe button. I'll email these stories every morning. This is an interesting one. Uh, my friend Dan Horowitz at Conservative Review. Bombshell study. Could half the uninfected population already be partially immune? I know Joe knows Dan Horowitz too. This yeah. is a fascinating piece. Could half the population already be immune? Could this explain some of the differential infection rates? Ladies and gentlemen, Florida, despite largely opening up, I live in Florida. Our infection rates have leveled off and are going down dramatically. Something's going on here. It's not the lockdowns. We're not in lockdown here. And we're not getting these, these, these explosive hotspots. There is some other factor variable that people are missing. He writes in the piece covering this study that the hypothesis, the hypothesis excuse me, is this that numerous common colds are forms of coronavirus and that a significant percentage of the population that has already contracted those forms of coronavirus have some form of cross immunity to COVID-19. It's unclear what degree these people are immune, but it might help explain, might, I want to emphasize might, we're not a medical show, but it might help explain why some people in certain areas react so violently to COVID, whereas some others are asymptomatic. In other words, it's possible that people with cross immunity could still catch the virus, but their reaction to it will either never present symptoms or present mildly due to the pre-existing T cells working for them. Fascinating. Fascinating story. If that turns out to be supported by medical evidence, we'll see. Again, not a doctor, but this study seems to be interesting. Could explain why, again, as they say, some people react so violently, have this overwhelming immune reaction and wind up suffocating to death through pneumonia and inflamed lungs, inflamed lungs, excuse me. All right, moving on. You know, this story is sensitive to me because I have been involved in the social media wars forever. Twitter picked a fight with me. Paula, what was it? Was it about three years ago where they stopped letting us run ads? Yeah. Yeah, it was a while ago. This is not new. Uh, it was about three years ago or so, and I joined Parler about two years ago. It's P-A-R-L-E-R, -E by the way, Parler, which is your free speech alternative, both Twitter and Facebook. It is the non-police state social media platform. And by the way, I'm not kidding. We're on fire right now, Parler. Disclosure, they are a sponsor of the show. I say that unabashedly, and I allow them to be a sponsor because I love the company. I've been there since 2018, way before they were a sponsor. Go to Parler. I can't emphasize that enough. Download the app today. There are no speech police over there. Liberals, you're welcome to. We're not interested in policing anybody's speech. You're going to enjoy it. I promise you. We're going to get Joe on there this weekend. Got to get him verified there too. Mm -hmm. Having said that, tw what, uh, Twitter's completely given up at this point, Joe. Given up what? Given up, number one, acting like a responsible business. And number two, pretending they're even a platform anymore. Remember mm -hmm. yesterday's show? I'm not going to do it again. 
Companies that pretend to be platforms like Twitter are immune from certain lawsuits. There's, Twitter is saying to their audience, we are a platform. We're not a publisher. In other words, we're not a newspaper. So if something's written in our, our Twitter newspaper, you can't sue us. You write something in the New York Times, that's defamatory. You can sue the New York Times. Twitter's saying, we have Section 230, the Communications Decency Act protections. We're a, a neutral platform. We have those protections too. The president yesterday put out an executive order saying, listen, if you're going to be an, a neutral platform and not a publisher like a newspaper and you don't want to be sued, then you need to act like it. Twitter doubles down this morning. I'll get to this in a second and decides they're going to put a warning on one of the president's tweets. I'm telling you, they're giving up. I'm, I'm not kidding. At this point, they are giving up being a non uh, a nonpartisan pretend platform. I think they know at this point regulation is coming their way, whether you agree with it or not. And there are a lot of downsides to this too. I want to be clear. But I think my point here is I think Twitter's given up. They know regulation's coming their way. And now at this point, they're virtue signaling to the left saying, hey, by the way, if we get a de Democrat president next, like Joe Biden, by the way, we're on your team. You get that? Yeah. Did that make sense, Joe? Oh, yeah. yeah. Twitter knows it's over. They are not an independent platform. They understand they're now going to be regulated at some point. They're now attacking Trump full bore to virtue signal, you know, wink and nod to the left that when Joe Biden's elected president, we were on your side the whole time. Trust me, that's what's going on here. Now, President Trump was asked yesterday in the Oval Office, asked about this executive order, and I'll show you what it was in a minute. But I want to just play this first because this is, you know, I love when the president just throws back at the media. I can't, I, I, I can't get enough of it. But he's in the Oval Office and the, and some uh, wise guy reporter thinking he's going to like uh, do an own the cons moment. The president switches it quickly into an own the libs moment. The reporter's like, hey, man, if you hate Twitter so much, Mr. President, <laughs> why don't you just get off? His response is classic. Check this out. President. President, given uh, your concern with Twitter, have you given any consideration to deleting your account, to just walking away from this platform you've been so critical of? Well, you know, if uh, you weren't fake, I would not uh, even think about it. I would do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> Where did we find this guy? <laughs> Someone got the focus mitts. Can we get like visual focus mitts on the screen? There you go. Drew will do that. I mean, he always sends me these like texts after focus mitts. Here you go. One, two, three. You know, but you have a box. The jab is one, cross is two, three is the hook. Maybe throw an uppercut in there. This guy has got to be the best. He turns on them so fast. I love it. They owe it. They owe Acosta. Um, what's I, what the other one? I forget her. The woman with the blonde hair at CBS. I forget her name. But she's. They always try to catch him in a corner, and he boxes his way out, makes them look silly. Well, if you weren't fake, I'd give up my Twitter in a heartbeat. Join Parlor, Mr. President. We'd love to see you over there too. I saw Eric Trump was over there. Welcome. So Tommy Laren came over this morning. We got a few more. David Webb, uh, Drew, Drew Steele, or my uh, my producer there, mm -hmm. and a, and a radio talent in his own right, by the way. So what was the executive order? Why does it matter to you? It was long. I'm going to give you the takeaways because as Joe says on the show, the Dan Bongino show, everything you need to hear in an hour. I found the best summary, a little lengthy, but worth your time at Legal Insurrection. The article will be in the show notes again, if you'd like to read it, the full thing. It's worth your time. Here's a piece by the great William Jacobson. Trump signs executive order on social media bias. Now, there are a few critical takeaways. Remember what I discussed yesterday. If you claim to be a platform, 
a neutral platform like Twitter claims and Facebook, you are not subject to certain lawsuits that publishers would be. I just addressed that. But in order to claim you're a platform, you have to meet certain standards. The president's executive order addresses some of this now. Let's go to the legal insurrection piece. I want to show you what it means in the takeaways and why Twitter could find themselves in a world of hot water. There are some downsides to this too. So in the executive order, it says the conditions, I'll translate this for you. The conditions under which an action restricting access or availability of material is not taken in good faith with the meaning of subparagraph such and such of section 230, particularly whether actions can be taken in good faith if they are, I'll translate, don't worry. Deceptive, pretextual, or inconsistent with a provider's term of service, taken after failing to provide adequate notice, reason, explanation, or a meaningful opportunity to be heard, and any other proposed regulations that the NTIA concludes may be appropriate to advance the policy described in the subsection. What does that mean? It means this. President Trump's executive order states, if you're going to claim to be a platform and you're going to start deleting people's tweets or adding to them, then you better have a damn good, good faith reason. And if you can't say what that good faith reason is outside of your political differences with the president of the United States, then you're going to lose your platform status and you're subject to lawsuits too. It's simple as that. Having said that, I believe Twitter is a publisher. I don't believe they are a platform anymore. I believe they don't even care at this point. I think they're just virtue signaling to the left. To, hey, if you're going to regulate us, at least regulate us so we can regulate our competitors away. Having said that, though, if we do enact the executive order, ladies and gentlemen, there will be some downsides. It's my responsibility here to give you the truth. If you operate a website and you have a comment section on your website and people say something defamatory, if this goes away, there's a small possibility you could be sued as well. So there is a downside to this, and I think we're going to have to massage this and get through this together. I just want to be clear, you know, we don't, we don't argue on emotion like the left does. The emotions are hot right now because Twitter's engaged in a full-blown attack on the president of the United States. Now, doubling down Twitter, remember what they did yesterday? They put a fake fact check that got fact checked, was it two days ago? They put a fact check on the president's vote, uh, vote by mail tweet. The fact check was wrong, by the way. So Twitter's now only fact checking Republican candidates for president. President's still a candidate, even though he's a president. He's not term limited. He's not termed out. So just to be clear, we're fact-checking only Republicans. Now they doubled down this morning. I, I woke up to this. I couldn't, I had to read this story twice. I thought it was, I thought it was fake. The president tweeted this. You'll see the, put, let's put up the tweet. He tweeted about, hey, he said, I can't stand back and watch what's happening in Minneapolis. It's a lack of leadership. Either way, the radical left mayor better get his act together and bring the city under control or I'll send in the National Guard and get the job done, Right dot, 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 meaning there's more to the tweet. Well, if you want to go on and read the rest of the tweet, this is real. I mean, we didn't Photoshop this. Twitter put a note over the tweet. You have to watch the note first before you can read the rest of what President Trump tweeted. Twitter put a note saying, talking about President Trump's tweet, the subsequent one, this tweet violated the Twitter rules about glorifying violence. However, Twitter has determined that it may be in the public interest for the tweet to remain accessible. Folks, they've given up. Twitter has given up. They are entirely in the virtue signaling business to the left now, hoping that the regulations that are coming their way, no matter what, will only work in their favor as the leftists contour them, which will allow them to get rid of their competitors. Twitter has entirely given up on neutrality. You may say, well, what was under that warning label? What was so bad? Did the president say, you know, go murder someone or something? No. 
The president said, quote, these thugs are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd, which is correct. And I'm not going to let that happen. Just spoke to Governor Waltz and told him that the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty will assume control. But when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Thank you. I'm reasonably confident the president wasn't talking about shooting looters. He was talking about when looting starts, he's probably seen those Twitter videos of people standing in front of their stores armed. They're all over Twitter. Of course, if you're not on Twitter, you probably miss that. Talking about the liberals. They put a warning over that so you can't see it. They've, I'm telling you, they've given up entirely. Now, cue crazy far left narratives now. Joe, the president called these uh, rioters thugs. Oh my gosh, that's got to be racist. Really? Yeah. I'll get to that in a minute. All you right. sure about that? So the, the rule, just to be clear, before I get to my final spider, just to be clear, going into, you can think about this for a second. If you call someone a thug who destroys a business, many of these minority-owned businesses, then you must be a racist. That's the rule, right? That's it. Deal with that for a minute. All right. We'll come back on the other side and see if that's actually a rule or just a rule applied to this president. Don't go anywhere. Last sponsor of the day. Ladies and gentlemen, the best earbuds in the business, Raycon. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you, you know what you're listening to and what you're listening on. You know what your kids are listening to. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless ear, earbuds. Everyone. These are the best, folks. Here, mine right here. Not a joke. These are actually mine. Been in my ears often. I use them for conference calls. I use them when I'm on my elliptical downstairs. These are really cool. But listen, don't go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair of wireless earbuds. You need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. And they sound as amazing. They sound better. I've tried tons of them. They sound as amazing as other top audio brands. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds are the best ones yet with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. I use them when I travel as well. Raycon's wireless earbuds are very comfortable, perfect for conference calls or binging on podcasts. Unlike some of our other, uh, other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems to distract anyone during video calls. Candidly, folks, these are the only ones that don't fall out of my ears. E they go right in, fit in there, don't come out. Sound is terrific. You've heard me talk about how the company was co-founded by Ray J. A lot of celebrities are obsessed with these Raycons. Pick up a pair and see what the hype is all about. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash Bongino. That's buyraycon.com slash Bongino for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash Bongino. You're going to love these. Try them out today. All right. So again, I'm just asking people in my audience and elsewhere, even the liberals who watch my show, and I, I know I see you commenting and sending us really horrible tweets and everything. That's fine. Uh, nasty emails. We're used to it. The rules are what? If you call someone a thug who's destroying, in many cases, minority-owned businesses in a minority community eager to recover from the Wuhan virus and this tragedy of the death of George Floyd, that you're supposed to call them what? What are we supposed to call them? undocumented protesters. These are rioters. They are, they're acting like thugs. So President Trump tweeted the word thugs. Q, of course, the uh, divisive identity politics folks out there. That must be racist. Really um, interesting. Let's play this video of one President Barack Obama, 44, Barack Obama, number four, remember, prior to 45, this president, 
talking about the riots in Baltimore with Freddie Gray. And again, he uses a word at the end. He, clearly, this must be racist. Check this out. The case of Mr. Gray and that accountability needs to uh, exist. Um, and I think we have to give them credit. My understanding is, is you've got some of the same organizers now going back into these communities to try to clean up in the aftermath of a handful of protesters, uh, a handful of uh, criminals uh, and thugs who uh, who tore up the place. I'm just asking you, what are the rules, folks? I, I mean, is, is this not a reasonable question? Do you understand how people who are genuinely concerned about what's going on and are equally angry about the death of Mr. Floyd, the death of people in these riots, someone died, the destruction of businesses and properties and the destruction of a great city. You see how we can be equally angry about all those things and how that anger is manifested. And these people are acting like thugs. And I want to note there that Barack Obama corrected himself to call them thugs. Did you listen to it? Yeah. He calls them protesters and he corrects himself. Not the other way around. Right. That he calls them thugs and then corrects himself to call them protesters. USA Today. Here's a piece of, about Obama on this. Again, where were the leftists calling Barack Obama racist? The answer is nowhere. Obama stands by the term thugs, White House says. David Jackson, USA Today. I'll put this article up in the show notes, even though it's from years ago, for you to reference for your liberal friends who, again, aren't eager to solve this problem. They're just eager to call you a racist for trying to solve this problem. I'm done dealing with the media. I'm telling you, I have no respect for a lot of these media folks at all. They are nothing more than identity politics division specialists. The only thing they do best is waking up in the morning, deciding every day how to divide further the American public and inflame tensions. It's absolutely disgusting. Here's an article in the New York Post I've been dying to cover for a couple of days. Uh, you know, they all hate Kaylee McEnany now, the press secretary of the White House. So the Washington Post editorial board, you know, Kaylee, Kaylee, who's been great, been shredding the press on a regular basis. The New York Post wrote an article saying, sorry, media, you're not victims, no matter how, how much abuse you take. The media now that Kaylee McEnany has been calling them out, new White House press secretary, just about every day on their endless parade of lies, endless collusion, hoaxery. Wuhan virus, hoaxery, all the nonsense. Kaylee gives it right back to him. And I love every minute of it. The media now is like, oh my gosh, we're victims of Kaylee. Kaylee, who's like 5'4", maybe 110 pounds soaking wet. They're all pretending to be a victim of Kaylee McEnany. This is embarrassing and humiliating. New York Post writes in their piece, give us all a break, please. They say, quote, of course, the Trump administration is playing tough with the media because the media has played tough with them before Trump was even elected. Nearly every question asked in the briefing room is usually a loaded construction of, as you know, things are terrible and it's your fault. Would you care to comment? Well, McEnany's decided to, hype, uh, to hit back, thankfully. This isn't about the First Amendment, folks. The media in the United States can say whatever the hell it wants. And we, as a New York Post, thank heaven for that every day. But there's nothing in the Constitution that says the press secretary has to be polite about it. Amen, brothers and sisters at the New York Post. This is not some benighted class of high priests and priestesses in the media we're all supposed to genuflect and bow before. These are relatively inexperienced in term of life experience. Sadly, very uneducated people who have somehow found a career writing a story, not the story. I respect Till the day I die, their big R, God-given right to act as a free and open and fair press. And that includes their right to lie. Yes, they have the right to lie. They can't defame, but they lie. 
They lie all the time. Shutting down the media, I'm sorry, is not an option. Can they threaten you? No. Can you sue them for defamation? You can if you can prove they lied intentionally. But the days of us trying to keep up this facade that this is some Peter Jennings, Tom Brokaw, Sam Donaldson, serious class of people we're supposed to sit. Get the, get the hell out of here. These are a group of unending ignoramuses who know nothing about the world, who somehow fell into a job in the White House press room and think their word is the be all end all. Take a hike. Good for you, New York Post. Playing the victim. It's disgusting. All right. This is pretty good. We may get through this today. I saw this story today on a lighter note. It is Friday. You know, I like to leave you on kind of a good note on things. I don't like to. It's been a, there's been some good news this week, though. We started the week with a story about how the economy is rebounding quickly. We may get something close to a V-shaped recovery. I said it'll be more like a check and then a slow kind of, uh, we may get something close to a V-shaped recovery, and I hope so. There was some good news. But this is a fascinating story. It's up at BonginoReport.com too, which again is our conservative alternative to the dreadful Drudge Report, which is into full-time hysteria now. Please check it out. Make it, uh, make it your homepage, BonginoReport.com. We have this story up there from Forbes. This is serious, not a joke. The dangers of deep fakes. You know what deep fakes are? I'll get to that in a minute. Here's the headline. By a Rob Toys. Forgive me if I'm saying your name wrong. Or Toes. Deep fakes are going to wreak havoc on society. We are not prepared. Well, what are deep fakes? Yeah. Folks, this has been a big, big problem. Deep fakes are videos, photos, visual imagery that are fakes, but they're they're called deep fakes because they're done using such sophisticated new technology that, ladies and gentlemen, I swear it's hard to tell the difference. I'm not going to give you the details because they're kind of gross, but people, especially on my Facebook, they send me videos and pictures all because it's open. Anyone can send me a message on Facebook. I don't control it. It's not like an email where you have to have my email. The person who sent me this knows what I'm talking about. They sent me a video. It was kind of gross a while ago. They swore it was true. It was purported to be a member of Congress doing something nasty. It wasn't. It's a, it was a fake. I'm telling you it was a fake. Folks, it was hard to tell. This was. A, I'm telling you to the untrained eye. Mm-hmm. Joe would have picked it out. Mm. But to the untrained eye, this looked real. And I say that because I was like, oh my gosh, they could do this to anyone. Create a video. They could create a video of Joe robbing a bank that's so good that if it got out on the internet, I know Joe didn't rob the bank. Mm -hmm. People would be like, oh my gosh, Dan's producer robbed the bank. What did he do? This is going to become a real problem. Let's go to uh, takeaway one from this piece, talking about these, these deep fakes. It says, uh, this is, by the way, examples and how we got here. A combination of the phrases deep learning and fake. Deep fakes first emerged on the internet late 2017, powered by an innovative new deep learning method known as generative adversarial networks, GANs. Several deep fake videos have gone viral recently, giving millions around the world their first taste of this new technology. For example, President Obama using an expletive to describe President Trump. That was a fake, that video. Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, admitting that Facebook's true goal is to manipulate and exploit its users. That was a fake, too. Bill Hader morphing into Al Pacino on a late night talk show. All deep fakes. Folks, this could happen to anybody. Anybody. Fake crime scene videos, fake sex tapes, fake political statements, anything. Again, from the piece. 
This technology is growing exponentially. They say again, Forbes continues, while impressive, today's deepfake technology is still not quite to parity with authentic video footage, if you look closely. But it is typically possible to tell that the video is a deepfake, if you, if you know what you're looking for. But the technology is improving at a breathtaking pace. Experts predict that deepfakes will soon be indistinguishable from real images before long. In January of 2019, deepfakes were buggy and flickery, said Henry uh, uh, Haney Fard, a UC Berkeley professor and a deepfake expert. Nine months later, he says, I've never seen anything like how fast they're growing. This is the tip of the iceberg. I'm just putting it out there, ladies and gentlemen. This can work both. Think about the problem we're going to have with these deepfakes. It's right around the corner. Soon they will be indistinguishable from genuine video footage. Now, the problem works in reverse, too. Obviously, I just described to you the big, the big problem here is you could see a political speech from Donald Trump saying how Donald Trump's going to increase your taxes 7,000%. That's a total fake. And by the time people figure it out, the election's already happened. Can you imagine the catastrophe that would be? But the problem works in reverse, too, with these deep fakes. If they're indistinguishable from genuine, authentic video footage, do you realize how many politicians, others, even crime suspects could use it in the opposite? Think about it. Politician makes a gaffe at a house party with 15, 20 people there, says something stupid, drops a curse word or says something racially insensitive. What can happen, Joe? They come out and say, oh, that's just a deep fake. Yeah. It's just deep. You can't prove it isn't. Matter of fact, if you read the Forbes piece, hmm. this is in the show notes. It's Forbes piece. Check it out. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Check it out. It's in the show notes up at BonginoReport.com too. That's already happening. There was, uh, they tell the story, I believe it's uh, a, uh, some political leader in Africa who got caught saying something dumb. And he's like, no, nah, it's just a deep fake. I was telling a story about a celebrity to my wife this morning. Got caught in this scandal with a photo. Said, that's a deep fake. Nobody knows if it is or isn't. I'm not going to mention the name because no one knows if the picture's authentic or not. Said it was a deep fake. Believe, you know, believe the celebrity. I don't know. How would you know? Fascinating. This is going to cause a lot of problems. Having said that, there are companies like Facebook and others who are working on technology to detect, to detect deep fakes. But I'm warning you, can you imagine if one of these things appears just a week prior to voting in this presidential election, some Donald Trump speech saying some racial uh, you know, nonsense or saying something about you know, taxes going up 10,000%. Just be careful what you see on the internet. Those are my parting words for the day. Hey, thanks again for tuning in. It's been a spectacular week of shows, our most listened to and watched shows ever. We are exploding. Thanks to you and your support. It means the world to me. Please share our show on Reddit and other platforms. We really appreciate it. If you wouldn't mind subscribing to the show on YouTube, it's youtube.com slash Bongino. It's free, of course. And please go over to Parler today. Download the app, the app store, P-A-R-L-E-R. -E Follow me over there. I am at D Bongino. I really appreciate it. I will see you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at D Bongino.